With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. We are recapping day 10 of Brown's training camp here on a Sunday. It's about 7 o'clock here as we're recording. So let's get to it. Um, It was not a super eventful day. I know that's a great way to start a podcast to get people to to keep listening, but, um, you know, kind of a quiet day beforehand. Practice was competitive. Pads were on again, so we're going to get to that, but let's just start with before practice today. We each wrote stories on different things that we saw and heard before practice, Um, and let's start with, actually, I want to start with the defensive backs. So I wrote about Brandon Lynch and kind of how he thinks this defensive backfield can be used. And Mary Kay, I'm really kind of fascinated by this, how they're going to do all of this. Because we've talked so much about slot corner, nickel, whatever you want to call it. And it really does sound like the answer to that question, who's going to play slot, is it depends. It depends on what the other team brings. You know, that's going to be somebody different against the Bengals than it is against the Ravens, than it is against the Texans. I'm really interested to see how they do this, and this is something we can get into a little bit later, but I'm also very interested to see if they maybe put Martin Emerson in there a little bit, but they're going to do some different things with those cornerbacks. Yeah, they definitely are going to do some different things with those cornerbacks, and I think uh, the thing that sort of stands out to me about all of this is that I don't even know if they know how it's going to pan (laughs) out until they start playing the games a little. Jim Schwartz is very much a you know, put it out on the grass and see how it's going. Uh, And, you know, with the pads on and the lights on and the fur flying before you figure out, okay, this is who I like in the slot. This is who I like against a small shifty receiver. This is who I like against a big receiver. I think the key is that um, they will be auditioning plenty of guys to do it. Um, And right now they are down two nickel cornerbacks. And so they're going to have to roll some different guys in there, and I'm sure we'll talk more about that. So yeah, Ashley, that's interesting, this idea that maybe they don't even know what they're going to do yet, and, and they have to figure things out. Um, just, just still, interestingly, one of the most stable but also most fascinating positions. It is, and like I think, though, too now that we know that Greg Newsom is still working through something a little bit, that kind of... I don't know. It makes it more interesting and it might not be the best thing in my mind is the first thing I'm thinking of when he's not out there practicing and depending on how much time he has to miss, like even if he's, you know, fully ready to go by week one and it doesn't really impact him long term, like we've talked about these last two years, the way this team has dealt with injuries and not being able, those injuries kind of hampering them 
in teaching guys systems and things like that, especially on the defensive side of the ball two years ago, I think it was. So I am curious like how long he's going to be out, if that's going to play a role in how they can kind of get down some of these matchups. But I do think ultimately um, how it might not is just by if you're putting these guys up against guys that are good matchups for them, then in theory, that should be easier across the board for everyone. But, you know, that's in theory. We have to see that actually work on the field now. But I am really curious how that injury is going to hinder or impact how they work through those kind of things. So here's my question off of that. Let's talk some Martin Emerson. I feel like we haven't talked a lot of Martin Emerson. Is he the number two corner, Mary Kay? I feel like there's a and again, maybe this, some of this stuff is flexible, but I feel like there's a world where like Martin Emerson is just the number two corner behind Denzel Ward, and like the, maybe he's got a chance to really win that job. Well, he does. I mean, I think at this point it has been sort of unwritten but established in a way that he is the best outside corner after Denzel, uh, and that is why you see Greg in the slot a fair amount. So I think that that's how the team feels about Martin Emerson. And what we have seen so far in in training camp is that he has even taken it up a notch over last year. I mean, he has been dynamite. He's in the right place at the right time. He loves contact. He loves to get physical. He loves to play against the big receivers. He loves to break up passes and get his hands on footballs. And and I think it's going to be hard to keep that at bay. I think you're going to want him on the outside as much as possible. So we're going to have to see how it plays out. Uh, you know, I know that they have told Greg that he will have um, a multiple role this year and he's not just going to be in the slot. But, uh, you know, I think it might be hard uh, to try to not have Martin on the outside. This is sort of a Martin Emerson podcast. We all love Martin Emerson. Um, nothing against Greg, obviously. You know, I think we all like Greg too. But, Ashley, it is really interesting, just the matchups. You know, when you go against the Bengals, right, and you've got Jamar Chase on one side, that's a great matchup for a guy like Denzel Ward. And then you've got T. Higgins, who's a little bit of a bigger body. And it's just there's so many different things you can do with Martin. And going back to this, I'm still really interested. Like, could you put Martin in the slot a little bit? Like, on first down, when you go against a team and they've got a tight end on the field and a running back and maybe they only have two receivers. Could you put Martin in the slot and sort of put yourself in a position where you can still only have two linebackers, but Martin can come up and help in the run. I'm just really, I think he's a chess piece and I want to see how all of that works, but also maybe he is just the number two corner and and maybe that's the answer. Yeah. And I think like his size is his biggest attribute. Like it's, it's not just his size. So I shouldn't say that. It's the fact that he can use his size. And they have him listed as 6'2". And Dan, you and I were talking. Like, I don't think there's any way he's only 6'2". Like, he just seems so much bigger. And and maybe he is, but, like, because of how broad his upper body is, you know, I think we've been saying that since he got here. Like, the first thing that was impressive about him was how he looked. He just looked like an NFL player after they drafted him and brought him in. And, you know, Joe Woods even last year was making comments walking around out there being like, oh, is that another safety, like, at first glance because of how big he is? And I think whatever way you can use that physicality and how big he is to get him on the field more, I think that's great. You know, I think last year the best example of this to me, and I I pulled up the story because I know, Dan, it's after we talked to him in Tampa, um, and he talked about liking – that he was targeted by quarterbacks on other teams that they were throwing his way so much because he didn't really get that in college teams avoided him. Um, and in that game, he was matched up with Mike Evans, who's six, five for most of the afternoon. 
Um, and I wrote, he was targeted seven times when Emerson was matched up with him, and he had zero catches in those. And this is my analysis after the game last year. Um, and it's those kind of matchups, I think, that make him so intriguing because he can go against those veteran, bigger-bodied, physical receivers and hold his own, and that was as a rookie. So I'm really curious what that next step looks like, and I think you need to use him as much as you can in those situations. And another example of that, Mary Kay, was the Chargers game. They Brandon Staley went for that fourth down because he thought, if I get Mike Williams on Martin Emerson, we're going to get a first down and win the game. And Martin was up for it, and he made a great play from you know on a throw against a really great quarterback in Justin Herbert and a really great receiver in Mike Williams. Martin Emerson broke it up and gave the Browns a chance to win that game, so he's that talented. And I, I just... You have to wonder what all of this means for Greg. It has been an off-season of, I don't know if, I guess turbulence is a good way to describe it. Not like turmoil necessarily, but like turbulence. It's just he's always kind of been hovering around those headlines all off-season. And this isn't to say that like Greg's on the outs, but you do wonder what Martin's emergence long-term does mean for Greg. Yeah, you do have to wonder that. And as you mentioned, that particular play that you're talking about on Mike Williams against the Chargers was sort of a signature play for him last year. It's the play that we all remember. And it was one where you realized that the moment was not too big for him and that he loved uh, to have an opportunity to make a fourth down play like that and impact the outcome of a game. And you could just tell he was a gamer and he was up for this. Um, But I think some of it is going to depend on what does happen with Greg. He has a groin injury right now. Kevin Stefanski told us today that he is day-to-day and he's just not ready yet. Well, guess what? The opener is on September 10th already. And when you suffer a groin injury as a cornerback, a speedy, fast cornerback, you have to be able to run. And so that's kind of significant when you suffer a groin injury. Uh... We, I understand that he will, he expects to be 100% or the Browns expect him to be 100% for the opener against the Cincinnati Bengals. That's good. You want your top three cornerbacks out there for sure. If they don't have him, though, at least they do have Denzel and Martin on the outside. And then they just have to get the slot covered, of course. Um, But I do think that's going to be a factor because if he misses the next two, three weeks weeks of practice, and we just don't know yet. I mean, really, you have to proceed with caution because you need to get him out on that field as soon as you can. You've got three AFC North games in your first four games. You don't want to be without Greg for any length of time. So you, I would proceed with caution. Um, but, yeah, there's there's a lot that still has to be worked out, and some of it will be dictated by when Greg can get back. On top of that, you have, so, right, you open against the Bengals. So there's Jamar and Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. And then you play the Steelers, and that's Deontay Johnson and George Pickens. And you've got to figure out how to deal with Pat Fryermuth at tight end. And then you play the Titans. Not that they have a ton of great receivers, but they do have DeAndre Hopkins. Um, and I'm blanking on I'm blanking on the other receivers. Traylon Burks, you, maybe he takes a jump. So, you know, you've got some tough receivers out. Oh, and then... Baltimore and their kind of new look receiving core. We'll see what they look like by the time the the Browns play them, but you've got some potentially tough receiving matchups. Um, that's just kind of life in the NFL now anyway. And by the way, you know, who's had a really good week that we haven't talked about a ton is Cameron Mitchell had an interception against Deshaun Watson, uh, last Tuesday. And then in the hall of fame game broke up a big pass. So Ashley, that's another guy just sort of in that stable, um, that you're trying to develop. And, <laughs> 
I don't think like he's not taking Greg Newsom's job, but it is just you know, more guys in that room and more competition. Yeah, and I mean, like Mary Kay was saying, like I said, you know, alluded to up the top, it's like with this injury, it's like it just kind of adds some question marks. And especially it's because of the position that Greg plays and what his attributes are as a cornerback. And yeah, it's like with Cam Mitchell, you know, it's I don't think they, they drafted him and expected him to obviously be a starter or anything like that. But if he can continue to make plays like that and contribute and get into the rotation, that's more snaps that you have to account for with another cornerback. So it's just, it's interesting. I'm, I'm curious to see what this is going to look like, but that's the thing, like we've been talking about. They don't even know what it's going to look like. And I think that's, you know, that's part of the intrigue. It's also part of what makes me wonder of how easy is this going to be to get a handle on for these guys and, and what's it ultimately going to look like. But they're unanswerable questions right now. And one more thing we should note before we move on from the secondary is the safeties. Because we talked to Rodney McLeod today. Ashley wrote a story about that. And this is a guy that's really versatile. And this is a guy that he said, you know, he's mostly been a, a post safety. But last year he played a lot in the box and he, he pointed out, I put up good numbers. So, you know, Rodney can play in the slot. He can play in the box. So then, you know, that's another decision they have to make. Do we want to have a third or fourth corner on the field? Or would we rather have Rodney McLeod or, you know, DeAnthony Bell or whoever whoever that fourth safety is? Would we rather have one of those guys plus the ability of Juan Thornhill and Grant Delpit to play in the box? You know, I think the key is that they will get their best defensive backs on the field at any given time. And we asked them about this today. You can use, Martin Emerson is so big, you can use him as that third safety. And that gives you the opportunity in those three safety looks to have Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom and Martin Emerson out there and still be playing a three-safety look. So I think that's going to happen. I think we're going to see that. Uh, the name of the game for Jim Schwartz's defense is versatility. You will have, uh, you know, smaller linebackers that, that are somehow, you know, sometimes playing more of a safety look. Uh, you will have oboe sometimes playing like a linebacker. You know, I mean, it's going to be very, very multiple. And, and that is the key for so many different guys to do so many different things. And they do have the versatility in the defensive backfield. I mean, you've got, you know, you've got Grant that can play up or back. You know, you've got Juan that can play up or back. Uh, I think the key for all of these guys, and every time we talk to them, we ask them about it. You know, the key for all of them is to get the takeaways. They're going to get the pressure up front. And these guys are going to get the takeaways. And whoever is out there taking the ball away, those are the guys that are going to play the most. Okay, let's take a break and then let's talk running back. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. And back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. Uh, we're passing around a microphone here. So trying something a little different, see if the audio sounds good. Um, so if things sound a little funky, that's why. But let's talk running back. It's also pouring down rain right now. So I guess we'll take our time talking about running backs. <laughs> right, exactly. So Jerome Ford is really interesting 
Mary Kane. We heard from Stump Mitchell. We heard from Jerome today, too. He is the number two back. I think the fact that he didn't play Thursday night told us kind of where he is in the pecking order, um, that, that he's the number two guy. But I also just, when I hear people talk, it really is interesting to me. It does sound like Nick Chubb. There's a chance that Nick Chubb could just play a ton this year um, with Kareem Hunt gone. And they're not going to overdo it, but they really like talking about Nick Chubb as a third down back. And they Stump loves talking about Nick Chubb catching the football. And I just, like, are we just going to see a ton of Nick Chubb this year on the football field more than we have in the past? Well, I think that's the big question mark. I don't think we really know. I think if it were up to Stump, that he would have Nick out there on first, second, and third down, and he would have him catching a bunch of passes on third down. In Stump's world, that would be ideal. He obviously loves Nick Chubb. In fact, in minicamp, if you guys remember, and I know you do, he predicted Nick could possibly have 1,000 yards receiving. Um, That's how much he believes in his hands. He believes it's just an underutilized aspect of Nick Chubb's game. Now, then, fast forward a little later in the day, we talked to Kevin Stefanski about the third down back, and he was like, hey, it could be Nick, it could be Jerome, right? So I think it's still up in the air. And what has to happen, once again, is you have to get in the game at the pro level and prove what you can bring to this team. Kevin even described it something like that. You have to show what you can do on third down. And it's more than just, you know, catching a, a pass out of the backfield. It's you have to be able to pick up the blitz. You have to be able to read the defensive keys and know exactly what is going on out there. Uh, you know, you've got to be able to be very, very physical. You've got to be able to take on a linebacker. Um, so these are all things that Jerome Ford is going to have to do. And I don't think, again, they know exactly how he is going to perform when the lights come on. Now, they have gotten uh, some some good data on it from him returning kickoffs. They have an idea of his physicality and, uh, you know, his, you know, how he can uh, plow through people and things like that. But, um, but I don't think down for down, they're really going to know exactly how Jerome Ford as the third down back is going to go until they try it. And third down is all about trust. So, you know, third and sixth, the stuff you mentioned, Mary Kay. Deshaun's got to trust that Jerome Ford is going to pick up those blitzers. And he's got to trust that Jerome Ford is going to be where he's supposed to be on third down. And he's going to catch the ball when it comes his way. Because And Kevin, it's the same with Kevin, right, as a play caller. He's got to trust that Jerome Ford is going to be in the right places and do the right things. Because if he doesn't, that ends drives. And if that ends drives, it means no points. And no points means losses. And things just pile up. Not to put all of that on Jerome Ford, but that really is. I mean, that's how that's how serious third down is. And, and that position, sometimes we talk about third down backs like, oh, it's just the other guy. But it's a really important position. Yeah, I mean, that's part of the reason why this Kareem Hunt thing was so vital these last what, how many seasons was it technically? Three? Three full seasons? Yeah. So it's like that's part of the reason, I think, why their situation was so unique. And couple that with the fact of, oh, we can really trust Kareem Hunt and we can avoid putting too much tread on Nick's tires early in his career. Um, I, I am curious about all of that because off the top to me, it's like, yeah, like you can understand why Stump Mitchell would be so gung-ho about having Nick Chubb out there for third down as much as they can, passing to him as well, working that part of his game um, that he hasn't really had an opportunity yet to show. 
Um, and I also just wonder, hey, like now that you have Deshaun Watson for the full year, how are these designed runs going to kind of cut in, in theory, to a second back's carries? Um, and in that case, do you really need to, you know, be worried about how much can we trust Jerome Ford on third down um, and just get Nick Chubb out there and, you know, work in those Deshaun Watson design runs and then you're still not maybe putting as much wear and tear on Nick. So it it is interesting. I, I think Jerome Ford is interesting too in the sense that obviously college is so different, but at Cincinnati, they did get him involved in the past game in his last year. It was part of the reason why the Browns drafted him. Andrew Berry talked about it last year. Um, so all of that is interesting to me. And I'm curious, like I said, I thought he was an elusive runner when he was returning kicks last year. So he showed something. It's now just, okay, how much are they going to use him, knowing that Deshaun Watson is also going to be carrying the ball too. The other name, of course, in all of this is Demetric Felton, who had a, a nice game on Thursday night. It is worth noting that he was actually the backup Thursday night, that John Kelly started, Demetric Felton came in later. That doesn't mean a ton in preseason game one. These things can change pretty drastically over time. But, Mary Kay, Demetric Felton is a big part of this. And if he can kind of prove, and he did have a catch and run today that that looked nice. If he can prove that I can be your pass catching back on third downs and I can do the things, the other things that you need me to do, that could cut into a guy like Jerome Ford's playing time too. Yeah, I think um, there's a little bit of an X factor with Demetric Felton. I think he came into this camp on, on the bubble, basically. And he still has to prove that he is one of the 53 best players that are going to make this team on August 29th. And he's got to be able to do some things on special teams. He's got to be able to do some things on offense. And we know he has the versatility, which they love on this team, to both play running back and to play some receiver. So I think that will help him. I think they'd like to make every effort to keep him. Uh, and I think they w- ultimately they probably will. Um, but you never know. I mean, that one is a little bit dicey. Now, he does have the fact that he's a draft pick going for him, and Andrew Berry does not like to give on his up on his draft picks early. And Demetric, I think the fact that he is focusing on running back in this camp as opposed to receiver, I think that's helping him. There's an opening at running back. I mean, they need a third running back be- behind Nick and Jerome. They need it. And so, you know... The, the job opening is there, and he just has to prove that he can do all of those things that they are going to need him to do. We're going to do a vibe check here on Demetric Felton, because, Ashley, you were in the locker room post game. Um, he seemed, you know, again, he had played well. They had won the game. He seemed pretty happy to be yeah. back at running back. <laughs> yeah, he, the vibe check was positive for him with the position change, I think. I'm trying to pull up his transcript here really quick but like it also just like you said did you kind of get like a feeling and I didn't feel like he was down on himself or like mad that he really didn't start the game quote unquote like I just think he he's talked about you know it seems like to me he's a player who understands that versatility is largely what's kept him around for the most part um he speaks fondly about learning you know how to play receiver and get back in that receiver room he's not mad about getting back in the running back room though either and you know he liked playing with going out there and playing with DTR and and I wonder if that was part of it too to give DTR somebody that he's comfortable with because they played together at UCLA now that I'm I'm, I had that thought in real time I'm proud of myself Dan (laughs) after a long day at training camp but you know he just he overall it sounds like he just really liked that opportunity for when we had a chance to talk to him in the locker room. And um, I, I think the vibe and the vibe check is a positive one. 
Okay, let's hit on a couple of injury notes here. We talked a little bit about Greg already. Um, a couple interesting guys were so today was sort of a weird. Like Joel sat out, Miles sat out, Najoku sat out. Nothing crazy there, but we did spot Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa wearing like a his hand was wrapped up after practice, and it was kind of like, it looked like a mitten or like an oven mitt. And Harry K, you've come to find out that he has some sort of finger injury. Now we're supposed to talk to Jason Tarver, I believe, on Monday, so maybe we'll get some answers on that. Maybe we'll get some answers from Kevin on that. We'll see. Sometimes they can be a little sketchy talking about injuries in training camp, but um, that, I thought that was something that we got to keep an eye on because for a guy like JOK, that's tough to play with. He can do it, but that's a tough thing for him to play with, with the way he plays and the expectations they have of him. The way that the hand was wrapped today, like you mentioned, all of the fingers were together like they were in a a big white mitten or an oven mitt or whatever. Um, That says to me that there's either some kind of a, a broken finger or a dislocation or some kind of a ligament damage or something like that. I mean, it, it was wrapped up pretty pretty darn good. And I think it's hard, it's hard to play linebacker with, you know, one hand and your hand wrapped like that. So hopefully for the Browns and for JOK, it's nothing too serious, and he'll be fine soon. Uh, but but something is going on there. And, um, and he practiced today. So, you know, so that was, you know, that was good. And I'm sure that, you know, that it's probably no big deal whatsoever. But I mean, it's something when you're a linebacker. You need your hands, you need your fingers, and so hopefully for him, it's no big deal, and he will be back very soon. And Ashley, it's just another could potentially again without knowing what it is yet. It's another just potentially frustrating thing for JOK coming off the foot injury, and that's been the question with JOK is staying healthy. If he when he's been on the field, he's had impressive moments, but it's staying healthy, and this is could just be another frustrating injury that he has to deal with. Yeah, this should be, I think, called the caveats portion of the podcast because we want to be very careful to add the caveat of we don't know, you know, exactly how long this might impact him or how it would impact him, right? But I I just am curious, like you said, Dan, because he's the injuries have been a thing and they've oftentimes, I think, been a fluky thing for him, especially that rookie season, you know, where he has things like dropping the weight on his head and he can't practice because he can't put the helmet on. That's the first thing that comes to my mind. Uh, Mary Kay finding out about the Liz, the foot injury last year was a Liz Frank injury, which is obviously could have been way worse, could have been a way worse treatment plan than what it sounds like he ultimately went through because that can be a very serious injury. And when we talk about JOK, we talk about the sideline to sideline ability, the athleticism, when you don't have a hand as a linebacker, it's really hard to tackle guys, I think, when you're only playing out there with that one arm, and it just would slow you down in theory. So, um, again, with the caveat that we don't know how long this is going to be, you hope for his case with everything he's dealt with injury-wise already in his career and what he's good at, that it's not something that's going to hinder him. Okay, I think that's everything here from day 10 uh, in Berea. The Browns will practice again on Monday, so we'll be back with another podcast on Monday. They also practice on Wednesday, and then it's another preseason game, preseason game number one, technically, according to Kevin Stefani. Mary Kay just gave me a look like, oh my God, there's still three more preseason games. That's how we all, yeah, I told, I, I was talking to Irie before, before 
camp started today and I said there are no days in training camp you're just kind of here when you're supposed to be here so that's where we're at day 10 in the books uh follow us on instagram search orange or brown talk uh search our youtube channel go look for cleveland browns on cleveland.com on youtube you'll find us there and become a football insider subscriber cleveland.com slash browns the blue banner at the top of the page for texting a newsletter ashley wrote today's newsletter um and of course you can get to those stories that are behind the paywall on cleveland.com slash browns for mary Kay and ashley i'm dan Thanks for listening, everybody.